Kathy um, in the weeks to come, but fantastic. So um, it's my privilege now to invite my brother, my friend, lifelong friend, uh, Pastor Jeff Cottom, um, to come and share the word this morning. Uh, Jeff, for those who, who might not know, Jeff and Tracy's wife Tracy and, and their children uh, used to be a part of our church here in Griffith. And um, what was it, 14, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, um, took up the call to go and plant the church in Leeton and have done a fantastic job over there. Um, for those of you that, that might want to just sort of encourage Tracy a little bit later on, they just moved into their brand new house and received the call to pack up and move over to Leeton. So um, well done, guys. It's an honour to have you here today to share with us and uh, we just look forward to what the Lord has in your heart. Why don't you put your hands together for Pastor Jeff this morning as he comes and shares. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Steve, for that introduction. Wonderful. I'm waiting for my uh, thing to boot. I've got the roosters on there at the moment, just in case. I can look at that a bit longer. And uh, the the uh, premiers, they are, by the way, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we beat the Sea Eagles last week just to... <laughs> Wasn't it last week? Yes, we did. <laughs> we beat Parramatta this week, by the way, in case there's any ill supporters. <laughs> no, look, um, getting away from football, um, we'll, we'll save that for after the service. Um, it's great to be here. Um, I just wanted to uh, recognise somebody. Where is she? Where's Dorothy? Dorothy, you're hiding behind there. <laughs> Hello, Dorothy. I saw Dorothy walk in this morning and she just, the sun just shone from her face and it just about knocked me over. I could see the Holy Spirit just all over her. So great to see you, Dorothy. It's been too long, but yes. <laughs> Bless you, Dorothy. So, such a, such a, so, so good to see you. Um, I mean, it's, again, it's good to be here. Just a couple of quick words before I... I go any further, um, Pastor Rod. Um, just, and this is probably just confirmation of what you've already, what people have already spoken over you, um, and it's probably for both of you actually. I just really sensed uh, this morning. Um, I guess when you're coming to things like this, you try and um, uh, uh, hear from God and just listen to the the the, the you know that sweet still uh, small whisper of the Holy Spirit. I just sensed God was saying. Just to, to speak over you this morning that, um, you know, we're spirit, soul and body. And um, at the moment, God's doing a, a work on your physical body. And I know you're doing everything you can and you're meeting, you know, uh, him where he's at there. Um, and that's a, that's a work in process. And, you know, we're believing that, you know, for a miracle there. But I just, and again, I, I know people would have spoken this over you before, but I just really believe that, that this, um, I guess... We, we see it as a setback, but I just really sense God was saying that he's going to use this. You know, like when the, when the, when the enemy was, was nailing Jesus to the cross and he thought, ah, I've got this. And he was just, he, didn't, he had no idea what he was doing, did he? And I just, I just sense that, that God was God saying this to you, Rod, that the story that you have, the, the victory that you will declare... Um, 
uh, will, uh, what the enemy meant for harm, God will use for the kingdom, to draw people into the kingdom. And I just, and this is, this is, this is what I really sense God was saying, is that um, you begin to prepare that story now. You begin to put that story together now. Because God wants to use that story to encourage, to cause other people to rise up in victory. And I really, this is, and this is what God was saying, is there are people out there that need to hear that story. Okay? People need to hear that story. And God is saying, get it together now. But it's the two of you. All right? Not just one, two. Don't cry, Janitas. The two of you. It's for the, for the two of you. And, and, and you know, what the, what the enemy meant for harm, uh, God's just going to knock him for a six. Amen? Hallelujah. And Tom, just, uh, just uh, you've been on my heart uh, for a little while. And I just... Sort of, I just sense that God was saying that um, uh, I've got the word wisdom, wisdom, you know, and I think uh, that God um, is is uh, will and is using you in this area. But I just really believe as you move forward, um, just by the Holy Spirit, God's going to use you to speak wisdom into people's lives. You may you may not even know that. Um, but God's going to use you to do that. Um, and and just, just to be aware of that, okay? Just, just God's going to use you to do that. And one other thing, who remembers the three Ds? Probably thinking, how does he know what the three Ds are? He wasn't even here. Well, I've been listening to this great preacher here preach on the three Ds. What are, what's the first D? Deliverance. If you said deliverance, you're not allowed to say the next one, okay? What's the next one? Whoa, that was a bit less. Discipleship. What was the last one then? Demonstration. Awesome. Uh, deliverance, discipleship, and demonstration. Amen? And, um, sorry? Then dinner. <laughs> Amen. But I really, I've, I've been listening to, to Pastor Steve preach this series and just really getting stirred up by it. And, um, you know, the, the deliverance, God wants to deliver us. Um, the discipleship, God wants to disciple us. And then, you know, after he's done that, the job ain't finished. The job's not over. We've got to, you know, God wants to use us as a demonstration to encourage others. And, you know, I think of David as, as um, Steve used David as an example now David, he was a he was a shepherd boy. He was he was out there tending the sheep, and he killed the bear and the lion, and um, and then he was anointed as king. And you know, God God had a had a plan and a purpose for him. But he was, but when he was anointed king, he didn't take up the the scepter and sit on the throne. God said, David, go back out to those sheep and tend those sheep. Because I haven't finished discipling you yet. You know, I've delivered you, you're the king, and you know, this is who you are, but I haven't, I haven't finished discipling you yet. Go back out to the sheep. And while he was there, he, God discipled him. He killed the bear and he killed the lion. And God discipled him in that place. And, and, uh, and then came the day when he was taking some, uh, taking some, some food to his, uh, to his brothers who were, who were on the front where they were fighting. 
And God had delivered David. God had discipled David. And then, you know, he got to the battlefront. And there was Goliath, uh, you know, in his, in his armor. This giant Goliath who had a, had a sword that was larger than David. You know, it was time for David to, uh, to, to demonstrate, you know, the fact that God had delivered him and discipled him. Now, he, he had a choice to make. You know, David's standing there and he's the giant slaying his, you know, and, and mocking David and mocking the armies of the living God. And David had a choice to make. David could say, David could say, well, I'm going to go back to the sheep and I'm going to, you know, go back there and tend my father's flock and look after them. And do you know what? God would have still loved David. God would have still accepted David. God would not have rejected David. But God had something more for him. So he had a choice to make there. Will I face up to this giant? And I believe he was ready for it, but he said, will I face up to this giant or will I turn? Will I go back? And I, I just really sensed here that there are many people in this place that have been delivered. There are many people in this place that have been discipled. And God's saying, now is the time for demonstration. Now is the time to slew, slay the giant. Sorry, Rod. <laughs> A bit of uh, glory come out there. <laughs> He's under the spout where the glory comes out. Now is the time to slay the giant. Now is the time for demonstration. <laughs> don't, don't let that joke get away from what I was saying. <laughs> now is the time. You know, and, it's, and do you think it was easy for David to, to slay the giant? It, that would have been one of the hardest things that he'd ever done was to stand up to this giant before him. And, you know, the, the mountains that, that, that are before us, Jesus says, tell them to get out of the way. You know, we're standing before these things, and they're not easy. But God says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And if you take that, that step, you will slay the giant. I believe God's saying it's time for a demonstration. You know, it's time like Peter, and I'm sure I heard Steve uh, use this demonstration too. Time for Peter to get out of the boat, to step out of the boat, to take that step of faith. And it's never easy. It's never easy. It's never simple. There's always a challenge to it. It's, you know, if, if, if there's not, well, it's not a step of faith. You know, and it's, it's, that, it's between here and there. Just here and there, and that step where you don't know where your foot's going to land. You don't know if there's solid ground there. You just have a word from God that says, Son, I've created you for greater things. Take the step. And it's between there and there that, that you know, God wants, to, God wants to do a miracle. Amen? God wants to change the circumstances. God wants to change the status quo. God wants to do something in your life. You just need to take that step. So, so you can tell, I listened to the three Ds intently. And that was such a good series, Steve. Well, well done. Such a good series. And I, I just really felt that that was, um, that was, for, that was for the church. That, uh, you know, you need to, I know that 
you need to continue to be delivered and I know that you need to continue to be discipled and you're in a good place here for that to happen for that to happen and for that to take place but there are certain areas in your life now where God says right I want to demonstrate something through you amen where's my glasses okay today um my uh, sermon is um, titled Guilt and Shame. Guilt and shame are, are things that hold us back. Guilt and shame are, are not something, uh, is, is not how God created us to be. Uh, they're, they're, they are tools that the enemy uses to hold us back, to pull us back, to, uh, to t- stop us from taking that step. Of faith so that God can demonstrate God wants to demonstrate his power through you amen God wants to demonstrate his power through you and 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 the enemy will use guilt and shame to hold that back we are living in a very dark time in history with the entire world having the ability to communicate and uh and it seems that there's a deep desire to pull Christianity down uh, not Buddhism, not Hindu, Hinduism, not Islam, not ancient beliefs, but it appears to be it's Christianity that, that the enemy wants to pull down. But, and we are being challenged on all fronts. But we should never lose sight of the fact that our God reigns, our God still rules, our God is still on the throne. And, and the, the thing that Jesus said 2,000 years ago in Matthew 16, 18 He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. That's still happening today. That is still true. And as long as we're ready to take that step of faith, so long as we're ready to demonstrate the gates of Hades will not prevail against the against the army of the Lord. We will we will continue to take ground because Jesus said that shortly. I want to read a passage out of Genesis three verses one through eleven. And you know, right from the outset, the enemy has been trying to put us off our game. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden for a purpose, and he had a plan for their lives. Just like with us, God has placed us here, and he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But the enemy had other ideas. He had one plan and one purpose, or he has one plan and one purpose. And John 10.10 says, and we know this scripture, he comes to kill to steal and destroy. That's what the enemy comes to do. That's what, that was his plan for Adam and Eve, and that's his plan for us. But Jesus said, let's never forget this. Let's not just quote that one. Jesus said, but, but I have come that they might have life and live it to the full. Amen? That's, that's the victory. That's what, that's what knocks John 10.10 10 out of the water. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And, you know, I guess 6,000 years or so later, you, you think we'd be a bit smarter because the enemy still has the same game plan to kill, to steal and destroy. And it's, you know, he uses guilt and shame to hold us back. And I can remember in my younger years, just some of the things here that I can, that, that I can think of is, you know, I grew up, Uh, without knowing my real father and some of us know what that's like some of us have no idea 
but I grew up without knowing my own father. Um, we, were, we were quite poor. Uh, our house was very old, falling over. I think, I think by the time I was six or seven, we'd moved 35 times, you know, and um, uh, some of you, again, some of you might know what that's like. I know my wife who's, who's um, from Griffith, and she's the same age as me. <laughs> I won't say how old she is. Similar age to me. And I know that she still calls the place where she grew up home. And to me, that's just that's a concept I cannot grasp a hold of. You know, having moved 35 times by the age of seven, it was like, home? What's home? You know, home's throwing your furniture in the back of a, back of a trailer and moving to the next place. <laughs> you seem to be doing that more than... But, but, you know, just not having that identity. And I remember that one of the houses we were in, um, it was, looked a bit like the Edamoga pub. It was really old. And uh, I would never take my friends there. And if I ever got dropped off from footy training, there was a brick house right at the front and we lived up the back. I'd always walk up the brick house driveway. So they saw me walking in there, and as soon as they'd go, I'd just go to the old place. So, and again, that's a that's a sense of shame, you know, that that you're not good enough, uh, you know. And I'm sure all of us, as teenagers, teenagers are very, you know. And there's, I know there's teenagers in here now. Teenage uh, years are, are, are tough. They take their toll on us, don't they? You know, and some of us still suffer from, and and, and um. You know, I mean this, some of us still suffer from the trauma that we went through as teenagers and we're still held back. You know, the enemy pours guilt and shame on us from those days. Um, and I guess just never feeling good enough uh, in, in whatever I did. I just never felt good enough. You know, these things caused great shame to come over me, which made me with, withdraw to a point of where I would try to be invisible in a room. I just, I didn't want attention drawn to myself or drawn to myself. I wanted to be the person sitting up in the back corner where the light was a little bit dim, where if they were going to pick someone or, or you know, I just, I, I just didn't want to be, uh, you know, picked out. Or I, I didn't want to be obvious because that's, that's just who I was. I wanted to hide and I did that really well. I did that really well. But that was, and that was because, you know, the enemy, the devil says to you, you're not good enough. He just drops shame on you. He drops guilt on you. And you think, you think to yourself, you know, everyone else is better than me. Everyone else is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not as good. I can't speak as well. I can't do anything as well. And, um, and, it, and it just... And you don't want to be tested in those areas, so you, you guard them and you hide them. And it's interesting, out of Genesis 2.25, this is how God created us, okay? And look, we've all read this before, or, or most of us would have. Genesis 2.25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So if God created us with no shame, it's, that's what the scripture says. They felt no shame. Where has that shame come from? It's been put there because God didn't put it on us. 
He didn't create us with shame, and shame certainly doesn't come from God. It says Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. And Genesis 1.27 says, or in these, not quite in these words, but we were created in God's image and his likeness. So remember that, what I've just said there. Remember that they felt no shame and we were created in God's image and God's likeness. But the enemy thought, I need to, you know, I, need, I have a problem, the enemy thought. I need to fix this problem of no shame. Because if I want to bring God's creation down, I need them to feel shame and I need them to feel guilt. And he knows every trick in the book to make you feel guilty or shameful. If he succeeds in this, he knows uh, he has you at a disadvantage because you will never rise to your full potential. If you feel this way, uh, sorry, uh, you can feel this way and some of us, you know, we struggle with this and some of us, we've been struggling with this for years and years and, it's, and it sits there and he just keeps, you know, just poking at, at, that, at that guilt and that shame just to remind you that you're not worthy and you're not good enough. He does that. And you know what? Guilt and shame are a burden. They are a load to carry. And God hasn't created us to carry guilt and shame. God hasn't created us for that. So, so when we have that, all types of things happen when the, when the enemy loads that onto us. We hide, we shrink back, we never rise to our full potential. We hurt people because hurting people hurt other people. And you would have heard that before. Hurting people hurt other people. And, and, and that's not, you know, and I think, again, that's, they do that. To, it's, it's self-preservation and to protect that, that hurt and that guilt and the shame you have yourself. It's not right, but many times it's, 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 uh, that's the reason it happens. So we must recognise the enemy when he says something to that to us. So I want to read, I want to read uh, Genesis 1 through 11. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit uh, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said uh, to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it also. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said to them, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So that's those 11 verses there. And and I just want to pick a few uh, sentences out of that out of that uh, that passage of scripture. And the first thing the enemy says to Eve there is, uh, uh, sorry, is sorry. Okay, just one more point here before I go into that. The enemy, the enemy said. So the enemy speaks to us. The enemy said, and the enemy will speak to us through Facebook through TV, through radio, through other people, your computer, etc., 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 to try and deceive you, to trick you in order to hold you back. You know, we must recognise the enemy when he says something to us. Recognise it, pick it up. We need to know, you know, his native tongue and how he speaks. And the first point I want to pick up there is, you know, the enemy says to us, he said there to Eve, did God really say? That's what he said to her. He said, did God really say? If you want to know what God really said, sorry, if you don't know what it is that God really said, all right, if you don't know what God really said, well, it's at this point that you're going to be deceived. Okay? Because you, you, he will put, he's an expert. He will put doubt in there. He's a liar. Did God really say that I am the way, the truth of the life and the life? No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Because, you know, the, 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 the word out there today is, look, we're all on the same mountain. God's up the top. But God did really say that Jesus is the only way. But there are many people being deceived. Did God really say that marriage was only between one man and one woman? Did God really say that life begins at conception? Did God really say that we shouldn't sleep around with multiple partners? Did God really say not to lie, to steal and cover? Did God really say that? And if you don't know he really said it, then you could be going off on a tangent. We need to know what God really said. And not be, not be thinking, well... You know, you, you have a point there. You know, did God really say? You need to get into your word. And I know that you're encouraged in this place to read your word. And, and the reason is, is because when the enemy says something and he says, did God really say? You'll have an answer for him. Because that's the only way you're going to stand up to him. Is to know what God really said. Amen. We only know what God really said if we read his word. You know, and I guess in today's politically correct climate, it's easier to twist God's word. There's less con controversy. It's safer to twist God's word. It's more acceptable to twist God's word. Uh, you know, after all, we live in the 21st century and the Bible is, well, it's outdated and it's old. You know, the scripture says his word will never pass away, doesn't it? We must never twist God's word to appease 
our understanding to play it safe or to make into what we think it should be. God's word says what it says. So we need to really know what God really said so we can really tell the enemy to get lost. Because that's what the scripture says. And I heard Steve say this last week, that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those who he may devour. In my, in my book, that says he can't devour everyone. It's only those he may who probably really don't know what God really said. We really need to know what he said. And you know what? The, Eve, what Eve does, when, when, uh, when, uh, when the enemy says, did God really say, you know what Eve does? She quotes the words straight back at him. And that's, that's what she should have done. She quotes the word straight back at him. The woman quoted God's word right back at the enemy. But, but you know, we, we really need to believe what it is that we're quoting right back at the enemy uh, because he'll, he'll, he'll trip us up. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself... If it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Saying you have faith without living it out just doesn't cut the mustard. And that's what I was saying there before with, uh, with David. He had a choice to make. He said, yeah, I'm going to slew the giant, slay the giant, sorry. I'm going to chop his head off. Yeah, he could say that because God was with me to kill the bear and the lion. But if he didn't take that step and do it, it, it would have proved nothing. And the enemy says to, says to Eve, uh, you will not surely die. The, that's what the serpent said to the woman. He undermined God's word straight away. So he'll come straight back at you to, to test you to, see you, where, to see where you're at with God's word and whether you really know that God really said, you know, He'll test you and he, and he comes straight back at her and he undermined God's word straight away. It's okay to look at the porn site. Husbands, it's okay to look at the porn site. Your wife won't see it. No one else is going to know. You can have a look while no one's looking. It's not going to hurt anything. You'll not surely die. Man, you open the door to the devil when you do that. You open the door to all sorts of things, but the enemy will, 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 tr will try and justify it. I'm only having a look. I'm not, I'm not actually you know, doing anything. Don't go there. He will do that. It's okay to steal that small thing. You know, you'll not surely die. It's okay to sleep with who you like. After all, it's just having fun. You won't surely die. It's okay to lie about this, this circumstance. It's just a little white lie. It's okay to do that. You know, you'll not, you'll not surely die. It's okay to compromise God's word in this, in this instance. You'll not surely die. And we can't do that, can we? But we need to be aware of the enemy when he whispers into our ear when he encourages to do something that we shouldn't be doing. 
And here, the next, uh, just the next point I'd like to pull out here, he says, God knows, this is what the enemy says, God knows if you eat of it, you will be like him. You know, again, this is all to bring you, you know, to a place, because I'm talking of, of guilt and shame today. Because the enemy wants to get you to that. The enemy wants you to look at porn. You know that? He wants you to. And if he can justify that, because in the end, that's, gonna, that's going to promote guilt and shame in you. And it pushes you away from God and his plans and his purposes. God wants you to, sorry, the enemy wants you to lie in, in, an, in, an, in order to bring that guilt and shame onto you. And he says to her, God knows if you eat of it, you will be like him. And again, you know, the enemy deceives the woman as he tells her, God doesn't want you to eat of it, eat of the fruit, because if you do, you will be just like him. So here's the thing, and the great irony that lies within what the enemy said. Because the, the woman knew God's word in her head, but she didn't know it in her heart. She didn't have a revelation of it. Because he says to her, and, and this, is, this is such a lie. And he'll tell that, he'll say this to us too. This is such a lie. He says, if you do, you'll be like God. But the truth is, she's, she's already made in God's image and God's likeness. She's already like God. She already has access to God, to the throne, you know, and to walk with him. She already has. And the enemy deceives her and says, if you do this, You'll be like God. And he deceived her. He deceived her in that. The enemy always wants to, wants to deceive us. She was made in God's image. She had no shame. She had access to everything that God had for her. Yet because she didn't know her identity or that she was a child of the living God, she compromised and she surely died. People, I know you will hear from this pulpit that you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know your identity. You, are, you need to know that you are a child of the living God. You need to know that you are a new creation. Because the enemy will deceive you as well. And listen to this, fathers, listen to this. You know, when our daughters know who they are, we need to... We need to we need to bring up our daughters in knowing who they are. Because, listen to this, some boy, because some boy says, give me what I want and I will love you and make you feel like a princess. That's what they'll say. And if that girl doesn't feel like a princess, she's going to think, you know, I really do want to feel like a princess. But you know what? Our daughters, if they know who they are, they say, I don't need you to make me feel like a princess because I am a daughter of the king and I'm already a princess. Sunshine, I'm already a princess. 
And I'm already loved beyond comprehension. Sorry, but you can't offer me anything I don't already have. Fathers, you know, you need to make your daughter feel like a princess. You need to to love your daughter. And your daughter needs to know that. So that when the enemy, through this, through, through someone, I, I'm not bagging young boys, but, <laughs> but he, he, he will work through them and say, I want to make you feel like a princess. She goes, no, I'm already a princess. I'm already a child of the living God. You can't give me what I need because I already have it. Amen? We look to the world to find something that only can be found in God. It's when we don't know our identity and our position in Christ that we compromise and we surely die and we are robbed of the abundant life that God has for us. But it's shame in our lives that cause us to become less aware of God uh, and, and it says we are, we are more aware of our shortcomings and our failings. So we need to deal with guilt and shame because that's what guilt and shame will do. We'll take our focus off who God says we are, which is the truth, and our identity in Christ, then we will just be focused on this guilt and shame. Evolution is telling our children that our ancestors, by accident, crawled out of a primordial, primordial soup. They came, they came from nothing. They had no purpose. They are going nowhere. So this is essentially what our children are led to believe. They came from nothing. They have no purpose. They are going nowhere. And we have a generation that believes this, that, 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 that feel that way about themselves. And God says something else. You may have had a parent who made you feel, I've got less than human there, that might be a bit, bit much, but it, it's probably true in some cases. Or a teacher that ridiculed you, or an ex that abused you, or even a friend that belittled you. But when we know who we are in Christ, we can begin to rise above these things. They ate the fruit and surely died. And it was at this point, the first time ever, they covered themselves and hid from God. Why? Because they felt guilt and shame. This is what guilt and shame does. It, it drives us away from God's presence. Guilt is when we do something wrong. Okay, guilt is when we do something wrong, but we need to know that we can be forgiven. Shame is when something is wrong with us or we've been wronged. And the enemy uses those two uh, points as a tool to hold you back, to push you down. And the very first conversation we hear between God and man is God saying, Adam, where are you? He's crying out to Adam. He's saying, Adam, where are you? This is what, because Adam, God was looking for, for Adam and they'd sinned. They had sinned and it, it drove them away. They wanted to get away from the presence of God because they felt guilt and they felt shame. <clears throat> And God is saying, where are you? Where are you, Adam? 
This is what guilt and shame does, that it drives us away. You know, and I was thinking, as I was going through this, maybe God is, is saying that to some of us today. You know, he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a future. You know, a future that, that, uh, where you will be prosperous. But maybe you're not in that place where God wants you to be because guilt and shame, just like Adam, have, have held you back. That self-worth, not feeling good enough, has, has held you back. Because you feel that, you know, I can't do that. It takes one word. It only takes one word as a small child, as a teenager, to cripple you. It just takes one word. It might take two words, but it can cripple you. Because the enemy says, yes, I know that they've taken that bait and he will drive that home for a year. He will drive that home for two years. He will drive that home for 10 years. He will drive it home for 20 years. He's relentless. And God is saying, where are you? Where are you? I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. I have so much more for you than what you have settled for. Where are you? I'm not angry with you. I love you. I sent my son to die for you upon the cross. I'm not angry. I love you. And I know everything you were going through. And I want to, I sent my son to die for you. And I want to pull you through this. I want you to rise above those words that sunk you. I want you to rise above those words that have held you back that have kept you prisoner. I want you to rise above. And God is saying, where are you? Where are you? Rise above that by by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. I will cause you to rise above that and you will slay the giant that's been standing there waiting to be slayed all these years because you have victory over that giant. God is saying, where are you? Where are you? And it's at this point, it's at this point that Adam realized he was naked and he was ashamed because he realized he was naked. Because he realized, you know, and, and that caused shame to come over him. He, he hid from God. And, and right there, let me read that. And God come looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Because he had a plan and a purpose for their lives. And the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And Adam answered, he answered, he said, I heard you in the garden. But I was afraid. Fear. He said, but I was afraid. Fear drove him away. Because I was naked, so I hid. And 
you know, it's, it's here. It's here. God said. Because God knew that I created you in my image and my likeness, in victory. I created you without shame. And, and, and Adam says, Adam says, you know, I was naked and afraid and full of shame, so I hid from you. And God says to Adam, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Where did that source come from? Where did it come from? Who told you? Because I didn't tell you that. Who told you? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Where did that come from? Because that's not from me. And that's not the life I have from you. Who told you you weren't good enough? Because God has something else for you. Who told you that you were too short, too fat or too skinny? That can be dropped on us as teenagers, as kids, and we carry that for the rest of our lives. And it holds us back. Who told you that you weren't smart enough? Who told you that you, that you were not wanted? Can I have that picture put up on the thing, please? Thank you. I just want you to see this because the enemy will start to, to try and pull you back and put you down from the day that you're born. Can we see this? This is my birth certificate. You can delete this after, by the way. This is my birth certificate. Christian name, Jeff, Brian. Sex, male, born, the 16th of December. Father. Whoop, just hold it there. Father, the father's missing. How come the father's missing? See, right from the day I was born, right from the day I was born, it was like the ending we were saying, see, you're not wanted. Your father doesn't want you you're not worth it he doesn't even want to know you look at your birth certificate look what it's he's, he's, he's not even on there and the enemy will try and use things like this to pull you back to push you down and unless I really know that I'm a child unless I really know that, that, that I am more than a conqueror Unless I really know that I have the mind of Christ, that I can do all things in Christ Jesus because he strengthens me. Because I am redeemed, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm blameless, I'm blessed, I'm justified, I'm sanctified and I'm set free. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power and dominion in Christ Jesus. I am a child of the living God. I am a giant-killing, demon-slaying, Holy Ghost-filled, mighty creation of God, and don't let that lying-stealing, wretched thief rob you of this truth. Amen? See, unless I know what God really said, I take those, you know, and for a, a season in my life, I did. I felt neglected, rejected, and not good enough. But it's, 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 when, it's when I accepted Christ into my life. These beliefs and these things that were sown into my life where, where God could say to me, who told you you weren't good enough, Jeff? Who told you you couldn't do that, Jeff? Who told you that no one wanted you? Because, because God had something different for me. And he says, 
you know, you are worthy, son. You're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You don't have to hide in the back anymore. You know, you don't have to sit quiet in the back anymore. You might have to take a step out of the boat or you might have to step up to the giant. But I'm telling you, son, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And I'm never going to leave you and never going to forsake you. And you know what? I've, I believe I've slayed many giants in my life and I've still got a few more to go. But so help me, I know who I am in Christ. And I know that with God's, with God's help and with the Holy Spirit working in me and through me, I can rise above all of these. And I believe God is, is saying today that there are some of you in here that God is saying, these two things he's saying, where are you? Where are you? And that other, that other question there is, who told you this? Because God, God is saying, I have another message for you. I have something else that's the truth. It's not a lie. And it will cause you to step up and to rise above the giant that's been there for one year, two years, three years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years for some of us. But God wants us to rise over and above. You know, the, the, the scripture says, I'm finishing here, but the scripture says, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. You know what that means? They, can, they cannot be changed. It cannot be turned around. The call that's on your life, the plans that God has for you cannot be changed. They are there for us. Now, look, this morning, I'm, I'm more than happy to, 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 uh, to pray for you. I, I just believe sometimes it's like, you know, stepping out of that boat or stepping up to the giant. It's just like, I uh, say, you know, come out here if, if you want. And it's like it's stepping up to them and saying, God, you know, I'm not going to listen to the enemy anymore. You're not going to have to ask, where am I anymore? And I'm going I'm I'm to listen to what you really say. God wants you to rise above that. Maybe we can have a little bit of music, can we? Don't, don't let the enemy rob you anymore of this. And you might be thinking, well, this one little problem here, oh, look, it's been around for years. Well, I can't. God knows what it is. You know, I listened to this man preach the three Ds. And it's, and it's, and it's time for demonstration. It's time for you to step up to, to the giant. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
sometimes we might think, and I think this is the enemy again, sometimes we might think maybe in a sermon like this, if I, if I step up, maybe people will think, oh, you know, think a bit less of me. <laughs> Don't listen to that. He's been using that line for a long time. Don't listen to it. seconds. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's just pray to conclude our service this morning. It was a good word, a really good word. And we just want to thank Pastor Jeff for for what he shared to us this morning. But we want to thank the Holy Spirit more. Amen. We just want to um, just, let's just close our time together in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for what you've shared with us today. We thank you for the uh, presence of your spirit that has worked through not just the worship and the communion, but even in bringing harmony with the word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us an insight into how you see us. 
that we are restored, we are redeemed, that we are in the likeness of Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places with you right now. Lord, that we are completely free. I pray, Lord, that you would cancel the assignment of shame and shame and guilt in our lives and help us to walk, Lord, with our heads held high, knowing who we are, knowing that we are in a foundation that is immovable, unshakable, and his name is Jesus. So I pray today, Lord, for our, our church congregation and our community as a whole. Lord, let us be the demonstration that your church is to be. And Lord, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this day going forward. We ask, Lord, that you bless Pastor Jeff and Tracy as they go home and be with each one of us as we enter into our week. May you continue to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.